attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment by telephone. Public comment will be taken for each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be heard first, followed by those joining remotely by phone. For remote public comment, the call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2664-352-3691. Then press pound and press pound again. When your item of interest is called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. Remote public comment will be limited to 20 minutes per agenda item. When public comment is called on your item of interest, those joining in person should line up to speak at the podium and those on the telephone should dial star three to also be added to the queue. Each speaker may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your 32 minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted for the sake of equity. Item number one, call to order. Director Sen? Here. Director Dunlop? Director Richardson? I'm present. Director Breston? Director Howard? Sorry, Director Azim? Here. And Director Reif? Present. Supervisor Dorsey? We do have a quorum. Okay, thank you, and thank you all for coming today. It always makes me happy to be back in City Hall, especially to see the brides out there and the happy faces. My own daughter was married in City Hall, and what a wonderful location this is for our meetings. So thank you all for coming today. Um, we'll go on to the next item, please. Item number two, general public comment. I feel like I know you guys already, so. It's okay. <laughs> you can introduce um, yourself. Yeah. Uh, Trisha from Heavyweight Trucking and a member of the San Francisco Latina Black and Builders Association. Good afternoon, directors. Um, I'm here because the last, I missed the last meeting, but I just wanted to um, acknowledge that the Silver Gates has reached out to uh, a few of us micro LBEs and they are very intentional on making sure uh, we are included on their next project and send out a pre-bid uh, request, although not all of us got that. I did talk to Director Babek and he is gonna look into it to make sure we are all getting the same notifications. But I did just wanna acknowledge that the Silver Gates has reached out to us and that's a great thing. Although they mostly only do the horizontal work and a lot of my colleagues are in the vertical work, so we're hoping that the director's report will put out a plan for us to see how the, what their plan looks like, including the micro LBEs. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that there's some progress there. Okay. Um, hearing nobody else from the pu public, is there somebody on the phone? We do have one caller on the phone. Okay, go ahead. You may begin your comments. Hello, commissioners. Uh, my name is Jeff Klein. I'm a 24-year uh, resident of Treasure Island. Thanks for hearing my comments. So last night, I had to wait over an hour for a Muni 25 bus at the uh, transit center, along with dozens of other residents and workers 
from uh, before 8 o'clock till after 9 o'clock. And since the uh, Westside Bridge project commenced a couple of weeks ago, more than two weeks ago, uh, the muni schedule has just been a mess. Uh, the reduced schedule has really been a, been a challenge for, uh, for many people, including myself. And, uh, and now we had a snafu where apparently, according to the driver, the one driver who was running the route, there was no bus in front of him and no bus behind him. Um, people uh, trying to catch the, the 8 o'clock bus was so full, nobody, uh, people were left behind, including disabled elderly veterans. So um, there's that. Uh, and I'm concerned that, you know, if, if Muni can't handle less than 1,000 residents and workers on Treasure Island now, how are they going to handle uh, the, pro the, the transit demand of a community of up to 25,000 people in the future? So speaking of the future, um, where's the money going to come from to complete the Treasure Island project? The original uh, project was $4 billion for vertical development, but it turns out the cost was based on half a million per unit, and the new cost of building is t more than twice that. So the, the project's gonna need eight to $10 billion to build all the 8,000 units, and um, nobody in their right mind will invest in this. So I wanna know what is, what is your plan B? Uh, you know, we're gonna leave this project unfinished for forever, or maybe just stretch it out over 20 or 30 or 40 years? What's the deal? By then, we should be Thank physically you. underwater. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? That's under public comment. Okay, thank you. Um, we'll go on to the next item, please. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Uh, thank you, Chair Sen, members of the board. Uh, I wanted to begin my report today by uh, recognizing that uh, Nelligan Salvas has been named to be co-executive director uh, for One Treasure Island, uh, along founding uh, co-executive director Sherry Williams, um, and invite her uh, to give us a report on, on One Treasure Island's uh, activities. Congratulations. <laughs> Wasn't expecting yes, that. First you. of all, congratulations. Thank you. We, you're a familiar face here, having given the reports on what's happening with Wind Treasure Island and all the activities that you do. So welcome and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you. Good afternoon, directors. Again, Nella Gonsalves from One Treasure Island. I have a short report this month, and so I will start by sharing with you that we are still witnessing significant increases in residents accessing the food pantry. We're about up to 180 households, and we believe that's a direct result of summer um, and kids being at home, and if they're anything like my teenagers, they like to eat, so uh, we're happy to be able to supplement the food for those families. Uh, we had our 15, uh, 15th cohort of the construction training program graduated on June 23rd. We had 12 students graduate and to date about 80% of those students have been placed uh, in employment, so we're very excited about that. We have actually gotten uh, an, one of our uh, graduates into the plumbers union, so that's a first for us. We're very excited about that. And we are currently recruiting for our 16th cohort, which will start in August. And right now we have 25 candidates in the queue. So we're excited about that. 
Um, as far as uh, outreach and social media, we continue to provide weekly outreach and a reminder that we have the Island News app um, that you can subscribe to if for all things Treasure Island. And lastly, uh, for the 4th of July holiday, we distributed um, some extra food to the residents in the form of some hot dogs and some buns and residents as always were very grateful for that. And we've begun planning for National Night Out. We'd like to invite you to National Night Out on August 1st on Treasure Island. And the island-wide community meeting for last month was postponed and it will be this month on the 19th. And so you should have received an invitation and we hope to see you there. And with that, I conclude my report. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, we'll, um, we'll open it up to uh, the public I, for any comments. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, you'll, I'm sorry. Com complete well, my report. Yes, um, continue. Mentioning the 4th of July, uh, Titus staff provided, uh, took a number of steps to uh, ensure safety and, and uh, manage crowds on 4th of July. Um, there were still considerable crowds this year, although less than uh, had was seen before uh, development started. Um, that included uh, uh, deploying barricades to establish no, putting out no parking and no stopping signs, increased uh, parking control officer presence from MTA, uh, additional P PD support, uh, additional admiral security support and uh, flaggers from uh, West Park parking management. Um, I also wanted to, to uh, mention, as, as was mentioned during public comment, that TICD is preparing to move forward with uh, bidding for Cityside Park. Uh, they had originally planned to do the, to put this out this fall, but they're moving forward the bidding on that, um, and they will have an an a pre-bid conference next week, uh, uh, next Wednesday at 1.30 at their offices on Treasure Island. Also, uh, the installation of the Point of Infinity sculpture has been completed um, on YBI. And we continue work with TI Advisors and Mercy Housing to plan for the occupancy of Star View Court. There'll be a full report uh, on the regular agenda uh, but wanted to mention that we are also worked with Swords to Plowshares to schedule tours of Maceo May uh, apartments for island residents on July 19th and 26th. And although many board members uh, attended the ribbon cutting event for the building, uh, we will have a time slot for board members who are also interested in touring the property. Uh, Treasure Island Enterprises has filed an application with the Bay Conservation and Development Commission for the expansion of the uh, marina and has received initial staff comments from BCDC staff. Uh, Echo Bay has completed the demolition of Building 29 on uh, Avenue H and uh, this removes a, a hazardous derelict structure uh, from the island and we have an agreement with City View Storage to lease the, uh, the now vacant property. Uh, we continue the punch list, closeout punch lists have been completed for the Yerba Buena Street, Yerba Buena Island Street Improvement Permit uh, and the water reservoirs. Uh, and we'll be working with Public Works to deliver acceptance packages to the Board of Supervisors for both of those projects 
the the rocks dog park as will be discussed on on today's agenda and the treasure island street improvements and the uh, ferry terminal uh, to to go to the board of supervisors for consideration and approval prior to year's end um, as discussed at the last month's board meeting the uh, TI, uh, the Transportation Authority has mobilized for the West Side Bridges projects and the eastbound off-ramp and westbound on-ramp to and from Yerba Buena were closed on June 22nd. Um, the Hillcrest Road is scheduled to be closed in the first week of August uh, and traffic uh, re headed towards east, the eastbound Bay Bridge on-ramp will uh, be detoured over the top of Yerba Buena Island along Forest Road. Also, uh, the Title House, a market rate rental development, reached a significant mile milestone this week, topping out the construction of the 22-story structure. Uh, the project is scheduled to be completed in 2024. And that concludes my report. Thank you so much. Um, I'll Actually, I'll open it up to comments by the commission first, and then we'll take public comments. Um, but I may, might start um, with some questions. And um, just to, uh, to, I noticed that for the 4th of July celebration, I was very pleased to see that the ferry extended their hours into the evening so that people could come to Treasure Island and go back. Um, so I was pleased to see that. Do we know how many people actually came for to view the fireworks from Treasure Island. I, I don't know how many people, I don't have uh, figures on ferry ridership for that day, um, but that's something I'll try to, to get for you. Okay, and then um, uh, the West Side Bridges project and the new ramp to Treasure Island, um, do you have any reports on how that has uh, transpired and what the experience has been? Um, I, I've taken it myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the the new off ramp seems to be functioning well. Um, it it has uh, extended the runtime of the the MTA route, which which means that they have longer headways between buses. Um, but uh, beyond that, I haven't heard, had uh, any r reports of problems. Okay, thank you. Um, and I just wanted to also give a shout out to One Treasure Island for their uh, graduation ceremony for their job training um, uh, trainees. It was, I attended as did Timothy, um, and it was really, I think, a heartwarming celebration of their graduation from that training program. And it seems like um, the job placement has also been successful for those trainees, so I'm glad to hear it. I'll, I'll open it up. Yes. To, yes, Linda, go ahead. Well, thank you so much, um, Mr. Beck, for that uh, presentation. And I want to start my comments actually piggyback on what Commissioner Shen uh, just stated. You know, what we do here, um, this commission providing opportunities, there are certain things that we do that no one in the city is doing that. The one treasure island training, construction training, because we're not just building Treasure Island out. Yes, we want to make sure a great opportunity to train. The people we are training are at risk, youth and adult, people I live in the Bayview, people that I see, that nobody want to gamble on. 
they said they're lazy, they don't want to work. No, that's not true. Here, we are actually demonstrating that we can take people from prison, people with records, and we are doing that with our construction training, giving them the expertise so that when they leave here, they can be for other jobs throughout this place. And we are so grateful we have this company, Echo Bay, a minority company that putting the resources beyond the call of duty. So it is a signature project and training, not only in the San Francisco Bay Area, but in the state of California. And so I just want to say that, and 80% of this at risk are given employment. So thank you so much, Neller, because when we ask you to be part of giving report, is that every, every meeting, we have to really keep doing that until people is able to register what we, the magnitude of what we are talking about here. And I want to segue to the other opportunities we talk about, which is the micro LBE. I'm glad at least some progress is making, but we're not way there where we want to be. And I heard from one of the speakers about the pre-bid that was sent out. Not everybody got that. And so we need to have a plan now. How do we ensure as we roll out all these opportunities? And I think it was Tricia that said that. The people working, those LBE that are coming, they have a list. They can help us if we're able to work with them. So can, can, can we work with them to make sure that they're also helping us to do the outreach because, God forbid, we everybody here, my fellow commissioners here, Commissioner Shen and all of us are from the community. And so we want to make sure that everybody gets their fair share, even for projects that we do not have uh, jurisdiction on. We are communicating with our development partner that, hey, please help us to help uh, these people that are here, you know, help give them something, help to do that. They are qualified. They need to have the opportunities to do that. And I know that at our last meeting, uh, Mr. Beck, you had mentioned that uh, on Treasure Island, there are going to be also opportunities. You mentioned the church and some other projects, and I know we with now the agenda to give the detail, but we want to make sure that we enhance the communication with all these people here, because if that pre-bid before it went out, if the treasurer and her group, those people coming here are able to know that, they can help us to call everybody. And so we need to update the list that nothing goes out on Treasure Island, that we don't have uh, everybody's name on that. And that should be resolved before uh, in the next couple of days. That is going to be a start because then they can come back to us and say, yeah, they got the information, and also the time for them to get all their paperwork and making sure they are there. So, but thank you that at least we're making you know, progress, and I know, um, you know we count on you that you're helping us with all this. Lastly, uh, now that the off-ramp is closed, are there proper signs from Caltrans that it's already in place so that uh, people, because we're still having a lot of accident approaching Treasure Island. I would get the report, so thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, we, uh, Caltrans has put out quite a bit of signage. We continue to, to try and update um, with uh, some of the electronic mapping um, wayfinding applications to make sure that they're reflecting the current routing uh, as well. Okay, thank you. Um, Mr. Beth? 
Hi, um, I just wanted to comment. I attended that graduation and I was very impressed with the candidates that came out of there. And I think when you get 12 out of 15 that have already placed for jobs, that's pretty good. But the folks that came out of there, I thought it was really, um, I was so impressed. You know, they came up, they made a little speech and uh, you know, it, it's a good program. And then the other one is the, um, as far as pre-bidding, I think that we should have some sort of site up so that way you can look there in that, that local community-based org um, companies can see it and it should be posted and they can, you know, everybody can see it. And that's all I have, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I should note, just to add, um, that the West Side Bridges project, Nancy Pelosi herself came to the groundbreaking and we have so much to thank her for because through her um, influence, we got $85 million of federal funding for that project, which otherwise would not have gone ahead. So um, thank you, uh, Nancy Pelosi, for your help. Okay, um, I'm going to open it up to the audience. Um, if there's any public comment, you can do so now. Um, so I don't know, are you guys commissioners, directors? Directors, but um, would you just introduce yourself again? Please? Right. So Trisha from uh, SFLBBA Heavyweight Trekking. Um, I feel like there's such a disconnect of what we keep asking for and the response that we're not getting. Uh, you know, we come here, now I think it's like the fourth month or fifth month, and we keep asking for number, breakdown of numbers, the breakdown of the micro LBEs, and yes, De Silvergates is great, let me tell you, this, our first meeting with Charles, they were the first to reach out with trucking, but as I told De Silvergates, this is just not about trucking. This is just not about De Silvergates. This is about what is going on on Treasure Island with all the GCs, with TIDA, with the TIDA group. Uh, so, and I sit in a lot of meetings and I sit in a lot of groups and committees and the number one topic of this conversation is Treasure Island. And everybody tells me Bob Beck is a good guy. But here we are, two years later. This is only our fifth month coming to you, but we've been requesting this information from Mr. Beck for two years and we are not getting an answer what is the long-term goal? What is the short-term goal? Thank you. Hello everyone again, it's Tristan Dion, owner of Streamline Drywall, also on behalf of the San Francisco Latino and Black Builders Association. I'm gonna go through some of these questions. You guys have heard them multiple times before, but we're doing our due diligence, so I'm gonna put that out there and then hopefully Bob if you're willing to answer any of these today it would be greatly appreciated first one being what is tied to short-term plan to engage SF LBEs micro LBEs to ensure they are included on active or upcoming Treasure Island projects within the next six months when can we expect to receive the short-term plan what is tied as long-term plan to engage SF LBEs and micro LBEs to ensure they're included in upcoming uh, projects when can we expect to receive that plan? 
What are the names of the SFLBs and micro LBEs who have been awarded contracts at TI? We touched on this the last few meetings on some of the discrepancies that were in the report provided. Can you please provide the financial breakdown of contracts awarded to micro LBEs, small LBEs for each year since work has began at Treasure Island compared to the dollars dispersed? And what are the total funds that have been dispersed to all companies who have worked at Treasure Island since the project began? Thank you. Hello, my name is LaSonia Mansfield. I am a part of the SFLLBA uh, coalition group as well. And I support my colleagues. We've come here, as you stated, five months now. And um, we really haven't received or, or got very much information. Um, I just want to say that I am excited about what's going on with the employees during the training, so on and so forth. But equally, we would love to be just as excited and hopefully you proud to put some of your micro LBEs to work. We're looking in San Francisco all over. There's um, businesses closing like crazy and we're holding on. We're, Lord willing, we don't close, but um, with your support, we won't have to. Sometimes it just seems like a small thing to give us a contract, but it's really big. I would employ you to look at the SFPUC Biosolids website. There's complete transparency there. They show the contracts that have been awarded to the micro, and that's some of the examples of what we're requesting. Thank you. And are there any commentators on the phone? Uh, there is one comment. Okay, go ahead. Good afternoon, this is John Hogan, and I'm the director of the Treasure Island Museum. And I wasn't able to hear part of the meeting, some of the early reports, but we did want to make it clear to the um, TIDA board and all the members of the Treasure Island community that we've launched a new membership program. And for the first six months until December 31st of this year, anyone with a 94130 home zip code, meaning any resident of Treasure Island, can become a member for free at the museum, and we're really encouraging them to, and this is a way um, that we're hoping to build community and make our resources available at no cost to all the members of the island community. So we just wanted to um, make that known, and I, it might have come up in the report earlier, but I had trouble getting uh, watching you all online, so I'm just reiterating perhaps, but thank you very much. Okay. Anybody else? No one else. Okay, all right, thank you. Um, and Mr. Beck, I know that both um, the commentators and the public as well as um, board members have asked for information. I know much of that information doesn't come from TIDA uh, uh, directly. It has to come through um, TICD, who is involved in um, awarding the contracts for that, for those employments. But um, I think that we would like to see the data. I know that you're do, do gathering that data as best as you can, um, but we hope to hear from you um, sometime soon, yeah. Thank you, and I, I will continue to work with Danielle Butler from TICD uh, to try and be responsive to these questions. Great, thank you. So next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by TIDA. Okay, any um, questions or comments from the directors? Uh, any comments from the public? 
Hearing none, next item, please. Item number five, ongoing business by Board of Directors. Okay. Any comments or questions from the board? Anything from the public? Hearing none. Okay. Hearing none, next item, please. Item number six, consent agenda, approving the minutes of the June 14th, 2023 meeting. So moved. All right. Um, is there a second? Second. Okay. Are there any comments from the public before we vote? Hearing none, let's have the roll call. Oh, can, can we do it by voice affirmation? All right, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you, next item. Item number seven, autonomous vehicle shuttle pilot. And uh, Suwani Cho from the uh, Transportation Authority will be giving this presentation. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Suwani Cho, I am the Assistant Deputy Director for Planning at the San Francisco County Transportation Authority, also representing the Treasure Island Mobility Management Agency. Um, can I be showing my slides? There. Great. So here is a uh, not live, but almost live photo of our autonomous vehicle shuttle on Treasure Island. Uh, it's finally here. This is, as you recall, a federally funded project uh, operated by Beep, which uh, is an AV company that we procured through a public bid. Um, we will be doing a nine-month pilot uh, on public roads. This is the first autonomous vehicle shuttle, shared shuttle um, um, pilot that is 100% operated on public roads in California. So um, that was quite a feat to get here, and so we are pretty excited about that. Um, it will be free to the public, um, always with a human attendant on board. And just to remind ourselves uh, the purpose and goals of this uh, demonstration, uh, it is to uh, demonstrate operational cap capabilities of AVs in a mixed-use environment in a real-world situation, to understand the perceptions of both riders and non-riders, so other users of the road, and to explore partnerships for workforce, education, and economic development possibilities. Our goals are primarily safety. We are prioritizing that above all else, mobility to understand how this can help um, folks move around the island, Treasure Island, um, operations and research. Uh, research and the collection of data um, on you know, all incidents and near incidents are, um, uh, is that a, that's a key aspect of our uh, pilot. Uh, so far, we have um, done the pro public procurement of BEEP, uh, the AV operator. BEEP has gone ahead and obtained permits from uh, NHTSA, which is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and the California DMV, uh, which are required for operation on public roads. We have mapped the route and the stops. We've set up the charging and storage space um, on Treasure Island, and. Uh, we've established community and partnerships um, engagement with, uh, for example, F SFUSD and City College. And currently, we're in the process of the 30-day uh, road, uh, road testing period. That is literally going around, um, uh, trying out the route, making sure our attendants are trained in both manual mode and autonomous, autonomous mode. <laughs> Um, and we are preparing for passenger service after this um, successful testing period. And here I actually want to also acknowledge uh, Liz Hirshhorn and Rich Rovetti, who have been extremely helpful to us in um, setting up the pilot. Uh, 
This next slide shows the loop, uh, uh, the root of what we're calling the loop. That is our brand. Um, uh, you'll see it, it goes around uh, sort of across on 9th Street and then uh, through the neighborhoods. And um, it, it, we do acknowledge that we, uh, the route does not currently serve uh, the administration building or the ferry terminal. But we um, had some concerns about congestion on Seven Seas Avenue. And so as we start public service, we'll be reevaluating the performance and the route and we'll try to look for a way to serve the ferry terminal. Um, so uh, uh, this is coming up, uh, opportunities to ride the loop. We'll be previewing the loop vehicle on July 18th, which is next Tuesday, between 3 and 6 p.m. at the Shipshape Community Center. And One Treasure Island is helping us uh, publicize that, and so we're looking forward to a good turnout there. Uh, passenger service will start, uh, we're thinking late July slash early August, um, depending on the successful testing. And um, the shuttle will operate 9 to 6 p.m. daily, uh, operating every 20 minutes. And during the midday, when the two vehicles overlap, we'll um, have better frequency of closer to 10 minutes. As I mentioned, it will be free for all anyone who wants to ride it. It's ADA, ADA accessible and holds up to 10 passengers. We do have a... Um, uh, ti-loop.com website about the shuttle, which will be updated uh, regularly and um, is live now. Um, there's also a phone number to call if you have any questions or uh, concerns. That number is 415-593-1654. That number will be posted on all the uh, stops um, around the island. So that concludes my presentation. I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Well, we're, we're so excited that this vehicle finally is here. <laughs> and it shows again how cutting edge Treasure Island it is that the first autonomous public vehicle um, is operating on Treasure Island and the first in the state. So we're, we're really very pleased to see how this works. Um, and hopefully, you know, for it to be really useful to have it connect to the ferry and to the transit, uh, the transit uh, that goes on on Treasure Island. But kudos to you for um, bringing it finally to our island. Okay, so I will open it yes. up to questions. Yes, Linda, please. Yeah, thank you so much. This is so exciting. And this is what we tell our, all our partners. Um, every time we have something of a signature, this, like your project, it is significant. And so, over the weekend, I think I read about this at mm -hmm. the San Francisco Standard. And uh, in terms of the community uh, communications, I would love, you know, for all the news or whatever to people to be aware of this. It is so significant. So please, um, what, what, what is the plan? Because again, I know you have the preview on July 18, but how can you help us to get the word out so okay. we have the ferry now and now we have this iconic the only place we are the first one yeah. and so that data is going to be useful for the eventual rollout of this autonomous vehicle so you could just kind of tell me um, how you can help us to with the outreach and the terms of communications because i like to read it in so many uh, publication online or mm -hmm. video whatever 
I will be sure to uh, make sure we get a package out to Taita and the board. Yes. And um, we'll keep you, sort of, we'll add you to our distribution for um, future publicity. We do, um, in addition to the public event on July 18th, we do have a couple of other um, publicity events uh, planned. And we will be, um, we are actively speaking to um, the media to make sure that we get a yeah, coverage. Yes. Faking yes. the opportunity to let them know about our development here, how all these things is all tied up. So yes, mm -hmm. we are highly yeah. interested. But, but certainly to celebrate this and to make sure the media knows and, uh, and we can, you know, again, um, put Treasure Island, you know, as, as a positive of all the things that we're doing, which are sustainable and future-looking. Exactly. So, thank you. Great, thank you. Mrs. Zim. Yeah. I just wanted to also thank you. This is great, and it is to speak to what Faye was saying. Um, very exciting to have innovative, uh, something innovative on the island. And so I just actually, on a different side of community outreach, you mentioned that there's um, partnership with SFUSD and then also um, One Treasure Island, and just making sure the rest of the villages, um, there's like a partnership with them, and that they definitely are aware and there's just feedback and open communication, so. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, we'll open it up to public comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're hearing cheers from the public. Um, anybody on the phone? No callers on the line. Okay. Well, thank you very much for this report. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. It's very cute, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this little vehicle. Um, okay, next item, please. Item number eight, transition housing outreach update. And um, I mentioned during my report that we have a couple of open houses coming up uh, later this week and this weekend, and, and Karen will give an update on uh, all TI advisors' efforts since um, our last board meeting. Thank you. Uh, it's very hard to follow something that cool and exciting, but we're really excited to see Loop, um, and we're happy to try and get that word out at some of our events. So, um. Some of this information that we're presenting today is in your board report. It um, gives you information about our contracting on Treasure Island and how we're reaching out um, for TRIA advisors. And um, our community group, uh, we're working uh, with Interethnica, Yolanda's Construction Administration, Traffic Control, and Copy Circle. Uh, th three of those are uh, micro, DB, or micro Business Enterprises in San Francisco. Uh, we also want you to understand who we um, are serving on the island and where our focus is. Uh, we are currently um, really focused on 156 of the households that um, are going to need transition housing. And most of our report today is going to be speaking about our efforts to um, advertise and get people excited about uh, Starview Court. In the last month, we've spent um, quite a bit of effort supporting Director Beck and his efforts to communicate with the team and um, advertise our transition units and affordable units on Starview Court. And um, we've done that with event planning. And uh, as we spoke earlier, we had the Juneteenth event uh, with One Treasure Island, which was really great. Um, we were able to participate in the on-island board meeting with you all last week, month. And um, we're continuing to work on our portal and file support 
um, working with the community and working on information to help the community understand what opportunities are available on the island. We're meeting residents um, in the community at some of our events, and we are also um, reaching out to them through door hangers, uh, emails, uh, the TI Advisor portal, answering emails and calls, and reaching out to folks who want to know more about their opportunities on the island. Um, in this uh, past month, we've really been spending a lot of time um, just engaging with, with households, helping them understand their opportunities. As we've discussed in the past, there's a lot that we can cover in public events, but really people's housing situations are very specific. And um, we do a lot of one-on-ones with people and helping them understand the different options available to them. And we've also processed six early in lieu payments uh, since the beginning of the year. Some of the information we wanna make sure that you have on hand is um, some of these handouts that we give to the community we are very happy to make sure that um, you have those and we can work with Kate to make sure you do have those. Um, we have information on the affordable housing at Starview Court, um, information that Catholic Charities has about the, the community in general, um, information for transition units specifically and what that means to the households, and uh, what we call palm cards, which is uh, basically a, a business card so that people know how to reach us and or their service provider on the island. Yeah, just one moment. Kate, um, can you make sure that all the um, directors get the links to these items? Thank you. Go ahead. So as I mentioned before, our real focus um, is around uh, Starview Courts, which is the first building on the island that is going to be offering transition units to our households. And so we have 156 households that are currently eligible um, to receive transition units. We have 23 transition units at Starview Court, and we have a, a program developed for the next year, the next 12 months, to engage com the community and help those households understand what their opportunities are. And um, I kind of want to explain an overview of that. Um, here is a general uh, update. This information is in your board report, um, and we will talk about it as we move along in this slide. This uh, timeline helps us to understand what we have been doing. So at the beginning of the month, one of the things we've been doing is really reaching out to the community and asking them to participate um, in upcoming Starview Court open house events. Uh, and I wanted to let you know how we're reaching out to people. We sent 771 emails. Uh, so each legacy resident, invested resident on the island, um, we've encouraged them over the years to sign up with their emails so that we can reach them directly. So we have 771 people who've done that. So we're sending information directly to them. Um, we have also strongly encouraged them to sign up for the portal. So the portal that we have is where all their documents live virtually. Um, and so when we advertise things, it's right there and available to them. So we have 434 households or residents who've signed up for that. And then we have door hangers, which is a very uh, clear way of reaching out to folks. So this is um, a copy of the door hanger that we uh, put on everyone's door. And um, a similar email went out to everyone to get everyone's attention and invite them to Starview Court um, open house events. And we've gotten uh, quite a bit of feedback already. Some people saying, wish I could join you, we won't be in town. Please forward information and we're following up on that as well. Um, in addition to this, um, in order to prepare for our, our community engagement events, um, Director Beck uh, has a letter prepared that we delivered to legacy invested residents 
that gives them information about what's next um, and what's available on uh, Starview Court and future housing in general. And again, that was delivered to 156 doors and um, it's uploaded to the portal today. So everyone will have a, an electronic copy as well. The next uh, event that we have coming up is tomorrow night and Saturday. Uh, we're having an open house event on Starview Court. We're really excited. Um, it's gonna be a pretty big uh, outreach for our team. So TI Advisors will be there, the team from Catholic Charities, the team from Mercy Housing Management, uh, Director Beck, One Treasure Island um, will all be there. And then uh, Araceli Cafe will be supporting us with some snacks, which is always great in a public event. It's going to be somewhat similar to the on-island meeting in that there will be posters and handouts, one-on-one uh, -on -one discussions, an opportunity to sign up with your TI advisor for a one-on-one -on -one meeting in case people just don't wanna reach out individually. Um, and then an opportunity to sign up for the portal and we're gonna have refreshments. So again, we're really excited to share with the community what's going on. And if you would like to join us, that's tomorrow night from five o'clock to eight o'clock. The exact same meeting will be on Saturday from 10 to 1. So we're not asking everyone to join both, but to come to one or the other and to drop in when they're available. We'll have uh, both English and Spanish speakers available to uh, engage the community. Uh, one of the things that we're doing that's pretty exciting um, is Taita is offering tours of Maceo May to help people understand what a beautiful building it is and how affordable buildings in our community look today. And so um, that's really exciting and we're hoping that uh, the community will join us in this event. So the next effort that we have is from July to August, we have a volunteer period for legacy households. So we want them to understand what their opportunities are. We want them to raise their hand and say, yes, I want a transition unit at Starview Court. And we'll be working with them and gathering their applications um, to, for a transition unit at Starview Court. That volunteer period runs from July 17th to September 1st. So um, the volunteer period really is about funneling people, getting information to them, helping them understand what their opportunities are and getting an application from them. Um, on September 2nd, we're gonna sort through those applications and try and connect them with units at Starview Court that will work for them. And our goal ultimately is to have them meet with um, the Starview Court management team and try and connect them with a, a, an apartment that will work for them at Starview Court in a transition unit. And then um, we'll be giving initial movement notices to households that um, we can set up in a transition unit at Starview Court. And those units will be ready to move in probably around July, uh, June 2024. Um, so then what happens after um, that voluntary period? Uh, so on September 2nd, like I said, we're gonna sort through the volunteer applications. Um, we're gonna try and match as many people to units as we can. We have 23 units. If we have any remaining transition units that are not spoken for, we're going to begin to contact the legacy residents in order of legacy household ranking and try and match them to transition units. And we will be offering move notices to them as well. And again, this will be the beginning of the transition period where we're matching households to units on the island. Um, and then as we move on in uh, November and December, we're going to make sure we continue to tell legacy households, invested households in the island community about the other opportunities at Starview Court. 
for affordable housing. And we'll be pushing that by um, continuing to outreach to folks, helping them sign up for Dahlia, encouraging them to sign up for pre-marketing notices when, when, um, as applicable, and um, signing up for the portal so we can get information to them. And legacy invested residents can use your Treasure Island resident uh, preference certificate number to win an opportunity for one of those affordable units on Starview Court. Um, and we are really guiding people through how to do that, how they can register now for affordable housing on the island uh, for sale, for rent, um, through the Dahlia portal. This information is slightly different than what we presented at the board last month. Um, we did get a slight adjustment from the Starview Court team on what the rent and income is. Minor adjustments, but we wanted to make sure that we gave you uh, the most current information. And um, we won't go through this right now, but I just wanted you to have that in hand uh, for information on what the income is for, say, a one-bedroom and what the rent might be. And then here's for three- and four-bedroom affordable units. Here's our overall, overall timeline for Starview Court. Um, as you can see, that we have the Legacy Household Transition Unit Volunteer Period through September 1st. Uh, we'll try and match as many of those as possible. We'll offer transition units to for any remaining transition Units that we have to legacy residents. The Dahlia Lottery for affordable apartments at Starview Court we anticipate will be in early uh, 2024. Um, applicants will be meeting with Starview Court management team to match them to units and then we anticipate that uh, folks will be able to move into Starview Court around June of 2024. We do want to make sure that we um, continue to explain to the community that we have housing opportunities for all and what those are on the island. Um, again, our focus is with the legacy residents and vested residents and get them information as much as possible, but we're happy to make sure we reach out, again, using our tools, our portals, our door hangers, email. Um, we want to get people into Dahlia and the pre-marketing notices. As Bob had mentioned earlier, we have several affordable housing opportunities coming out in the next, uh, in 2024. One is Starview Court. One is Title House and Hawkins. And those uh, Hawkins and, and Title House are not affordable buildings, but they do have inclusionary affordable units in them for rent. And so that's part of the communication that we're having with our uh, residents on Treasure Island to help them understand what that is and how to apply. We also have opportunities for buying inclusionary affordable condominiums on the island in market rate buildings. And that is uh, information that we have on the portico and we're really excited to engage people in first-time homebuyer programs and uh, being able to purchase a property uh, there on the island. This is a, simply a map that you've seen before um, showing where each of the developments are. Um, and here is a, a graph of the properties that are coming online in the next few years. And I just want to thank you for your time this afternoon. Um, we're really excited to share this information with you. I welcome any questions you have. Okay. I'll open it up to questions um, by directors. Um, Mrs. Zim. Thank you. Thank you so much for this information. I know we've asked for info, and this is very helpful to walk through, and it seems like there's a lot coming up, um, and just hoping that residents can stay engaged and know. I wanted to um, go to a couple of the numbers that you sure. sent us. So one, you mentioned that there's about 771 emails that have been sent to the legacy and the vested residents, right? Um, and there's, it shows that there's 45% opened. 
which is not a high number. So I'm just trying to understand how representative of, because I know a lot of emails can be old or do you have a good sense of if you're able to capture many of the residents through these emails? And then in a similar question, just the 434 resident participants that are on the portal, just trying to understand if that, if you are able to capture most of the residents through this, um, and if not, just are you looking at other ways of doing it? And then my second question will just be, the minor adjustments on the AMIs that have changed for Starview Court, do you know for the residents that, um, not the 23 that are legacy, but the, I think there's a number, I can't remember since my mercy 42. Days, yeah, <laughs> that they have to income qualify, will that impact many residents being able to qualify for those units? So I'll start with the first one. Um, so the question about engaging people and their responsiveness. Uh, so that's a little bit hard for us to judge. One of the things we noticed is we encouraged every resident in the household to sign up for both an email and the portal, um, which is great. But we also realize sometimes that means one person in the household opens it and shares that information with others. Mm -hmm. Um, so we haven't been able to judge what that means to us as far as are we reaching everybody or not. And so we hope to do that because we also do things like door hangers and uh, mailings. So like Director Beck's letter has been hand-delivered to each door. Um, and so we're hoping we're not missing people there or the door hangers as well. And so we're hoping we're reaching 100%. Um, and that the electronic outreach is secondary, right? So, um, but we hope that as we continue to engage people one-on-one -on -one in the coming months, that we can ask them that. We can say, you've got one person signed up for the portal, can you help us understand a better way to reach you? You know, are you getting that information? Do we need to update your emails? And, and just real quick on that, if at the next um, meeting, if you could just add information as to whether the July 17th to September 1st, that volunteer period, how many folks are actually volunteering or um, showing interest, I think that would be good to know. Okay. Um, I will do that. And also you had asked about the income, oh, it's gone. Um, I don't think it's shown. There, the income charts that we have um, showing, thank you, Kate. Uh, here's easier to read probably. So this is great information and it was updated and it, what's important is this is for 2023. By the time these apartments are ready, it will be 2024 and these numbers will change somewhat. And we use this not as a standard to say, you better make exactly between this and this, but as a standard to get people to engage with us. Um, and we want that message to go out that help us understand what your income is. And if you're close, let's have a conversation. There's a lot more discussion to be had. Um, and again, so everything that we're doing right now is a general outreach and we try and use it as a funnel down to see how we can really help people one-on-one. -on -one. So um, these are more information to have conversations with people rather than to exclude them from applying, if that makes sense. So did that answer? Okay. Thank you. Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you so much, Karen. And I'm going to be talking about the numbers. Mm -hmm. I think to piggyback on Commissioner Arjun, 
questions. Where we are right now is that um, actually this process started years and years ago, where we have a baseline. We know there is an X numbers for the baseline in the database of Treasure Island legacy residents. The profiles of those legacy, since we started this in 2011, we should up our database should be populated. For instance, uh, X legacy resident, if I were just to come from Mars and said, hey, Mr. David, it's a legacy resident, the profile. We should be able by now to say, and in the database, number contacted, the income, the categories, and that has not taken place. And that's why we keep asking all these questions because what is the data for enriched household? We spend millions going out to 170 baseline folks. We don't know by now, as of today, how many of these people enriched household for us to be able to look at the data to say, wait a minute, for four years or whatever, we're not reaching you. Why are we not reaching them? What, 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 what it is? And what are their issues? We, don't, we, we can do that. That is frustrating because even if you're gonna have 23 uh, household available for transition, we don't even know who's gonna there. Income qualified. Every year, we need to have a time stamp of every household that we are dealing with. Has their situation changed? Income, even what you have here, you said, um, the affordable rent estimate, it's based on these people's income. Every agency captured that information at the beginning of the year when they pay their rent. And then when you meet with them, it's okay. There are basic questions that we have compiled. If they are able to answer those questions, seven, even seven out of 10, with data, that information is significant. We can capture them to be able to determine out of anywhere, the supervisors, everybody asking, oh, Linda, where, how many households right now do you have in next year are going to be ready? I said, I don't know, I don't know. And so I had asked for, and I can help, how this database is going to be uh, designed because right now we have a lot of supporting information material like what you've given here today is great, but we need to have a spreadsheet where we can even really look to be able to deduce where, how we are doing, what we are doing, and it's still not there. And so for the upcoming meetings that you have, it'll be great. Anybody that shows up there, they should, in their database, there should be a notation that, yeah, they attended this meeting or whatever, this is what we've been able to do for them. We've asked them for this information and they have not given you the information. And so that way we can adjust who we need to go after and who we need to move on. If there are X number of households, they've attended meetings, they've been responsive to the information, their income has been certified, they are doing all of that. Then we know rain or shine. This particular household is ready to move on and we earmark resources for them for the completion. And these other ones, then we can go back and do that. So um, 
this is where I am. I'm getting all this, and I know you're going to be out there for the, but trying to help us to capture the data. I've also asked, and you have done that before, I asked for a spreadsheet of all the meetings. Earlier on, that data was helpful because at the end of the day, there's going to be people after six, seven, eight years, they never heard of anything, they never been there, that is going to go to court. And the judge will be able to say, here, I have expressed this information. The judge is not going to go to this report. They are going to go to something that's very simple, logical, technologically presented. They're going to say, wait a minute. We've been having this meeting for seven years. Spend millions of dollars, and you never heard any of this. Uh, email, knock on the, uh, you know, hangers. I think this is where we are right now. So. Help us to get all this information. We need to translate all the reports, all the information into a very simple information that the resident themselves and this commission is also obligated because we have stakeholders that are asking information. We also have a lot of misinformation out there, people, but we can't justify that. And so we're going to work, uh, Mr. Beck, we're going to look, we're going to work on the baseline data. It, we have enough um, information, and again, I'm going to kind of share some ideas of how we can present this information to the, because you are asking the same thing I'm asking. Commissioner Shen is asking the same thing. And, you know, Jane, the new commissioner here, she asked a lot of questions. She's not here today. Specifically, she's asked for some questions, and that is not there. So we're going to all work uh, collectively that we can get to the bottom of this. So thank you. Thank you. And um, largely because of our conversations over the last five years, we do have a, an exhaust, exhaustive database. Our issue is how to share that, to summarize it, and not share people's information. And so I think we'll, um, we can work with Director Beck and see how best to share that um, without compromising anybody's privacy, which is great. And then one of the things that we realize is that we're moving into the first um, offering of transition units, which gives us our first opportunity to say, now I need you to tell me exactly what's going on in your household and what your income is so we can help you find housing. And to date, we haven't been offering transition units. So that, so we're, we're moving into a new period where we can ask those questions that you're asking um, and help drill down so that we can report back to you all. Because you're right, we need to be able to help you understand yes. how we, how effective are yeah. we in outreach. Privacy information, the public type information, how many unreached household, how many are income qualified right now. Those, there are broader categories. And then to dig deep, though the purpose, you know, for, for the privacy, that could be, okay, we can, we can, we don't have to diverge that. But they are basic information right now that it is supposed to be public. People that are listening to this conversation, they want that data. They want the data for us to be able to show for the resources that we are, are, are you know, expending. So, and the deputy director, please, we're gonna kind of uh, together to kind of extrapolate um, uh, this data. That's where we are right now. The data is gonna be revealing a lot. Uh, the measurement of the progress of where we are, and we can use that data to do a lot of podcasting of how 
this residents are going to be for the for the units. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So um, let me just say that it, it has been very frustrating for us being up here as directors to hear from some residents that they have not been reached out to, they don't know what's happening, that there's confusion you know, as to what the program actually is. Um, I'm glad that you're documenting you know, how you're trying to get the information out. When you think about it, it's not that many households. We're talking about 317 households at the villages. Um, the, the one Treasure Island partner households, they're, they're, they are for sure going to get replacement housing. So we're really talking about 317, of which 293 are the, the legacy or the vested households, approximately. Um, so it's not that many households to reach out to. And, and the thing that is so puzzling to me is that we've got such limited resources for housing. We now will have, after so many years because of financing difficulties and even you know, getting to this point of development, um, we will have 23 only, 23 units available for transition households of which 40 and 43 units, which will be affordable. Right. Do you know how many people outside of Treasure Island who are not living on Treasure Island would want to be part of those you know, units becoming available, they would like to be able to access them. Um, and yet you're not able to reach people you know, who would be interested in these 23 unit, transitional units and 43 affordable units. Um, that is hard to believe. Um, and so I'm glad you're making the efforts to reach out to people, but at some point, those households have to come forward. And um, if they've been given the opportunity, if they've been emailed, if there's door hangers, if there's communication, and they still have not responded, then you know, this opportunity is going to pass them by. And I'm really you know, sorry if that is the case. But um, unfortunately, I think people, when they realize that they've um, basically bypassed these affordable housing opportunities, they're going to come back and say, why didn't we <laughs> get any information? So we're trying to make sure that we are following a process, that we're being careful with the data. You should have information on every single household, which is there. It's not that many. Um, and we need to have that demographic data. I understand about privacy concerns, but it should be you know, part of the data that is being collected. So um, thank you for that. Let's see, if we don't have any other comments by directors, I'll open it up to the public. Okay, and is there anybody on the phone? Okay, um, Mr. Beck, is there anything you would like to um, add? Sorry, looking forward to, to our open houses this weekend, yes. uh, tomorrow night and this Saturday. Uh, I think we're going to make a lot of contacts and um, uh, you know, look forward to continuing to work to bring this information to the residents, particularly those that can qualify for the affordable units, yes. um, uh, the vested households in particular, because that is their transition opportunity. That is 
their opportunity to make a permanent home on the island. Uh, and so we'll be, we'll be focusing on that going forward as well. Um, and I really urge Treasure Island residents to get the right information. Um, this is such a priceless, you know, precious resource that we have, the housing. And these, these housing developments are being designed by the best architects in the Bay Area. They're absolutely the best. And I am um, hopeful that we will be able to get um, through to some of these residents who are not responding. Thank you. Thank you. Item number nine, Parks, Operations, and Maintenance Planning. Uh, thank you very much. I'm Emory Rogers, uh, Deputy Director of TIDA. And uh, this is a start. Do you, um, okay, hold on. This is not the start of the three parks items. <laughs> this is the start uh, of items 9, 10, and 11. We thought it might be helpful uh, to hear these in the, some context of the larger effort. TIDA is working to establish structures for operations, finance, and governance of all of our parks. And this is no small feat. The DA establishes funding mechanisms for the developer to finance the parks initially and for the CFD to finance parks in the longer term. Similarly, the DA envisions that TIDA would own and operate the 300 acres of parks. So what does this mean operationally? To get a ballpark understanding, if we were to apply the national standards for parks care per acre to this size of parks, it would necessitate hiring 18 full-time employees. That's about 160% increase over the, all of Tida's current staff, um, if all the parks were coming on board right now. But as you'll hear, the parks are going to be opening over a longer period of time, giving Tida and this board time for deliberation and to be deliberate in structuring our care plan. So here's the phase one parks in open space. Later today, you'll consider TIDA acceptance of the recently completed dog park, The Rocks. The rest of the parks shown on the slide will open over the course of the next two years. So let's talk about how we're preparing to care for these new parks. We're working in a couple of timeframes, short-term and long. The short-term focus is to handle the immediacy of the phase one parks to gain experience and knowledge. Based upon this experience and learning, we'll prepare options for the long-term. First, for these initial parks, we're pursuing a short-term strategy with TICD and a National Loeb Fellow to develop the immediate caretaking strategy. The operations manual that you will review after my presentation will guide that work in a manner that brings the plans to life as envisioned by the designers. Currently, the developer has contracted with Rubicon to support landscaping establishment uh, at the rocks. TIDA anticipates initially working with Rubicon under an annual contract for landscaping and janitorial tasks. During this period, we're also going to research the options for the long-term plan. We want to ensure that the care of the parks, natural areas, and open spaces is as high quality as the designs. And to do this, there needs to be planning for both the stewardship of the space and the programming for the people. 
You'll notice that there is a long range funding strategy that's already established, as I mentioned, the Community Facilities District or CFD. The other items are listed as possibilities. There's a possibility of support in administration um, and more financing from public, private, or a partnership of public and private listed as P3. These items will be explored and then discussed with this board in the coming months. So let's look at a visual inventory of some of the existing structures that are possible. Uh, we will research what has worked or not nationally. The Loeb Fellow I mentioned, Rebecca McCacken, uh, managed the Brooklyn Bridge Park for a decade during the, the initial establishment and through its final structure of administration. She'll be on contract with TICD uh, to advise us on what worked best for that urban waterfront park. This New York model, initially envisioned as a nonprofit conservancy that would manage the park, and they thought the private development corporation would dissolve. As the park advanced, however, it was decided that the private corporation should not dissolve, and instead it stayed on to manage the park. So that's at the national level. We'll also look locally at recent developments like this one pictured here, Salesforce Tower Park, a privately operated park. We'll look at OCII's Mission Bay, which just this month transferred park operations to Reckon Park. This park, developed by the successor uh, to the redevelopment agency, OCII, is much smaller than Treasure Island Parks, but it has some similarities. Some of the property falls under the public trust. In the case of Mission Bay, lands that fall under the public trust uh, remained under port ownership. The rest of the park lands transferred from OCII to Rec Park. Rec Park also described to staff recently how in some parts of the city um, where there are finance districts like there are on Treasure Island, those financial district funds can be used to support additional services. In the East Cut in San Francisco, um, those financial district funds are used to support additional staffing, so there's full-time staff at the bathrooms during park open hours. Um, Nonprofit conservancies have also and can also handle administration operations. Um, this is the Presidio's Tunnel Tops Parks. Uh, this park is a federal park that benefited from a fundraising campaign led by the Golden Gate National Parks Conservancy. The, that conservancy delivered one of the largest fundraising campaigns for public open space in San Francisco's history. Another local conservancy is the Batay Uncle Gardens, um, which some people on this board are very familiar with. Uh, this is a nonprofit conservancy that has both fundraising and some governance capacity. This conservancy partners with Rec Park. Here, I believe the city department provides horticultural and gardening staff under the supervision of governance by the conservancy. So that's a quick look at some of the range of options that are available to Treasure Island in the long term. As we explore options, the guiding principles for the operations of the open space will be ecology, equity, and economy. These principles apply to Treasure Island at large and will include the parks. We will prioritize job training and contracting for the parks uh, with One Treasure Island partner organizations. The open space work can provide continuing beauty and functional habitat 
and economic opportunity for the Treasure Island residents. So in conclusion, there's a short-term plan that will enable this board to pursue the best long-term action. Today, you'll review information on parks operation, then you'll consider taking action on the first park, the rocks. The last parks item for you today is consideration of acceptance of future parks through actions by this board. So that's an overview of the TI parks, governance, operations, and maintenance. We're available for questions, or we can also, if you prefer, roll into the next presentation on the operations manual. Why don't we do, unless the directors have, we, yes. can, we can hold questions until the end of this, yeah. this item. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Come on. Good afternoon, directors. Uh, Chris Giard with CMG Landscape Architecture. And for clarity, we are a consultant to TIDG. We've been working on the parks and open space at Treasure Island for many years, and we have also been coordinating with the Titus staff on the development of the uh, draft operations and maintenance manual. And the primary intent of the manual is really to provide guidance to Tida to bridge the, the, make the link between the design vision and intent for the park spaces so that they can be properly cared for, programmed, and activated going forward. <clears throat> so it's really intended as a foundation for the work that Anne-Marie just laid out in terms of considering how to organize um, the management of the parks going forward. So, um, yep. Um, <clears throat> so quickly, uh, an overview of a few of the key goals of, of the document that we've been working on um, is really um, to provide guidance for the overall system, recognizing that it is going to evolve over time as new parks come online, um, and to lay out the, the fundamentals of the maintenance requirements for each of those parks. Um, we're really looking at this in terms of levels of service, recognizing that each park will have a different profile in terms of its needs, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that here as we go forward. Um, we're looking at the specific requirements for engineering maintenance, landscape maintenance, janitorial services, um, primarily, um, then there's other considerations as well, as I mentioned, with programming and activation that are not covered in this document. <clears throat> it's intended as a living document that will be taken on and refined and developed going forward. Uh, we're not going to solve all of this at this moment. It's, some, it's something that will really require further consideration. Um, and really to structure the initial document so that it can be used as a guide for procurement of services in the near term. So we've covered, covered the overall open space and um, those that will be coming on in the next couple of years as part of phase one. Um, I'm not gonna go into these in detail, um, but each of these parks will have a chapter in, in the document um, that will be developed by the landscape architect who designed the, the park in consultation with TIDA staff. So the document is organized into these uh, five chapters, or four, really three major chapters. There's an executive summary that lays out the intent of the document. There's the system-wide operations and maintenance chapter, which goes into detail on each of the components of uh, maintenance and operations overall. And then, as I mentioned, there's the chapters that will, there are the chapters that will be developed for each park. And then there will be an appendix appendix that will include supporting documents, including some references to the many uh, city standards and, and other um, requirements. So I know you're not gonna be able to see this in detail, but I did wanna spend a little bit of time highlighting 
um, what is included in the system-wide chapter. And so there's a, a section on general policies and procedures um, that lays out kind of the overarching um, parameters for operations and maintenance. That's followed by a section on environmental policies and, and procedures. And again, this is uh, in reference to um, working with the Department of Environment and others to make sure that all the city's environmental policies are integral to the maintenance of the island. Um, but there's also some other regulatory requirements with BCDC and others that are captured in that chapter. Um, it goes into levels of service, which again, I'll touch on here in a minute. Um, some discussion of different management requirements. And then it gets into the actual nuts and bolts of the, the, the maintenance itself, beginning with engineering, which covers utility systems, paving, uh, maintenance of uh, furniture, uh, fixtures and equipment, the restroom facilities, mechanical systems, and um, other uh, items related to vehicle, vehicles and conveyance. And then it goes from there to the chapter on landscape, um, which begins really with one of our biggest concerns here in California, which is water management and irrigation. That's followed by a section on soils management and fertility, tree care, understory uh, plant care, lawn and turf care where appropriate, um, integrated pest management, which is a, a key approach to sustainability in, in terms of maintenance. And then um, the idea of an on-site nursery um, as an option that could be considered in the future as part of the urban farm um, as a way of supporting on-island cultivation of plants for the maintenance in the future. And then that's followed by a janitorial section that highlights all the janitorial requirements um, in, 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 in broad strokes. Um, a section on waste management, <clears throat> which is key in terms of green waste management. Um, and consideration uh, preliminary planning for a future maintenance yard on the island, recognizing that when you have 300 acres of parks in the future, that you'll need to have a maintenance facility to, to be able to um, address that. And the idea there is that um, green waste management and composting could potentially happen on island so that it's not being taken by recology to a larger facility, really trying to close the loop there. And then lastly, uh, looking at artwork maintenance, just making a reference to the, the very robust um, public art program on Treasure Island and uh, uh, setting the stage for coordination with the Arts Commission on that. So then in terms of the, the levels of service, there's these, each of these operational categories. And what we've done is we've taken each park, or we will take each park as they come online and um, give them a profile, which is to say, um, some parks may be very intensively programmed, highly active, and those are parks that are going to likely require a high level of maintenance in each category. Whereas some parks that are more um, naturalistic, passive spaces that don't have a high intensity of use may require a lower profile across each of these different areas. And so, and then of course some may land in the middle depending on, on what the program is for them. Um, I'm just going to give a quick overview of uh, an example of one of the park-specific chapters. Uh, this is the Infinity and Signal Point Park. And so, again, the idea here is that landscape architects will be able to convey to the future managers the overall design intent for the park, um, any specific landscape maintenance um, uh, strategies that should be considered as part of the maintenance. And then just a quick uh, kind of dashboard of each park in terms of the key programmatic elements that will be uh, in place 
and then for reference, an overview of the key um, infrastructural elements that will need to be managed, and that could range from um, power services, restrooms, um, irrigation system considerations, things like that. So um, we do have two parks coming up, the first to come online after many, many years, so we're, we're very excited about that. And I just want to give an overview of the process by which um, these parks will be um, first established um, and then maintained by TIDG prior to TIDA's acceptance. And so there's really um, these three different stages. There's the construction of the park by TIDG, um, at which point it's um, deemed to be substantially complete. That's a process that um, TIDG and the consultant team undertake um, in consultation with TIDA. And then there's the initiation of the maintenance period um, prior to acceptance by TIDA. And I will note that the maintenance period may vary for each project, uh, typically a minimum of uh, three months, but that could extend depending on the time frame for acceptance by TIDA. And it could go up to a year or longer in some cases, although we expect that it will usually be less than that. So um, yeah, parks are constructed, there's a plan establishment period, and then, then, then there's a final acceptance of that, and then the maintenance period begins. And um, here we are with a signal point, um, technically coming online here in August of this year. There will be a plan establishment period of 90 days. And then um, the other important thing to note is that uh, the plant material will be warranted by the contractors who build it for two years. Um, and that there are certain obligations that they'll have um, after that. And that's mainly related to the larger trees. Um, and then uh, looking at the Rocks Dog Park um, coming online at the end of September, and I will say um, that I think, and I am biased here, that this is going to be one of the coolest dog parks in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, it'll be maintained here for a couple of months and then um, accepted by TIDA. And I think that it concludes um, my portion of the presentation. Of course, we're, we're happy to take questions. Thank you so much, Chris. Um, and actually, I also want to um, say thank you to Anne-Marie. She's, I think this is the first time you've actually presented before the board. Um, and we're so pleased that you're here. You know, Anne-Marie um, has actually a background in landscape architecture. So I'm very, very pleased, especially since much of the role of TIDA is about the public realm and these public parks is so much part of that. Um, and also Anne-Marie has many years in city government, including the planning department. So welcome to you, Anne-Marie. And Chris, this is an incredible document um, that, that you're preparing. It is so important and it gives me great comfort that there's been a lot of thought that is given to each one of the various parks and sort of overall what our strategy is. Um, I, I think, however, as you say, it's a living document. It is a paper document. It's also going to be online, I'm sure, accessible. But um, it needs to be implemented, and it needs to be monitored. And that's our concern, is how we go forward. You know, there's so much capital money we have it now from bond financing and through our partnership with TICD there is the money to build these parks and it's such a gift to the city but but what happens afterwards and we know what happens to parks and open spaces that are not maintained 
that are not managed, that are not programmed, they will soon not be welcome places for people. So we are very, very concerned as to what the organizational structure will be, what the staffing will be, in order to maintain the quality of these parks. And again, these parks are being designed by our very top you know, landscape architects, well known throughout the world. Um, they are here working with us on Treasure Island, and we want to make sure that and, and CMG being one of them. Um, we, we want to make sure that these parks are maintained um, properly and, and can provide great places for both residents of Treasure Island, of the city, but I think they're going to be a draw regionally and internationally as well. So, um, so um, I, I, you know, this has been one of my biggest concerns and I'm so glad that we're here today um, with this. We, we have uh, at least a short-term plan of going forward. I'm glad that, that, we're, that um, we're going to bring on board TICV and um, with CMG are going to bring on board um, somebody who can help us through this interim process and somebody who actually has managed the startup of um, one of the parts which is most like ours. There's nothing like Treasure Island. But the closest it comes is Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is also a waterfront park that was industrial to begin with, and it was it was um, uh, turned into a park. Um, and that startup process, um, the the person who was the chief horticulturist and first person hired at Brooklyn Bridge Park to do that transformation. Uh, is uh, Rebecca McMacken, and she's going to be coming on board to assist as we start up our and accept our parks and open spaces. So um, I, I think this is a wonderful point to be at, and I really thank you, Chris, for um, all of your work on the um, operations and maintenance and thinking how to do that, um, and really look forward to um, going forward. And I hope that. Rebecca McMacken and CMG will come back in September to the whole board as a whole and continue our conversation here. So I open it up, sure. Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you. Um, to the Deputy Director, yes, and Mr. Chris, absolutely that was um, an excellent uh, presentation. What is significant about this document, um, a couple of months ago people were asking do we actually have the vision and what we do need to do? And it looks like everybody is overwhelming. However, this document is very clear and concise. Uh, methodologically, it's given out the roadmap that we need to do, and all we need to do is just populate and substitute uh, where the dates are. This is what we know today. Uh, Twenty from 23 to 25, two years. That's gonna be the period for the interim, you know, short term. Okay, let's define it why we are here because you have also defined that. Well, that puts right today, right here today for us to now begin to concentrate on the long-term strategy. And we have said, we have, it's, it's by now, it's a long gone, you know, conclusion. We've gone to New York, We've gone many places, we've invited experts. We know precisely what is going on 
nationwide and worldwide. Uh, Commissioner Shen was so instrumental in actually getting up to some of these iconic figures that are designing landscapes all throughout the world. And here we are, San Francisco also, we have signature projects like um, the deputy director has given us. We also look at the Bay Area. So we know precisely where, where we wanted to do. So what I'm gonna suggest, and we've said that, is public-private partnership. We, there needs to be an entity. We don't wanna go before, it's a new entity. And we are gonna be having this iconic parks. We know what the deficiency is San Francisco. You mentioned um, the former San Francisco Redevelopment Agency. They created all these parks. There was never a plan. And so when the development agency was dissolved, guess what? San Francisco just yeah, began to scramble for the maintenance of their parks, and they're not there yet. And we know that. We don't want to go to those uh, models. We also know, yeah, we have the Golden Gate Park and some of the parks in San Francisco, they are fine, um, are great. However, we also have a lot to offer from what we are trying to do here based on this outstanding document. So what I wanted to, the deputy director, if you can come to the podium, is when are we going to start the process? And I think ambitiously we had said at the end of this year, we should at least have a roadmap yeah. where we are gonna go with the long-term plan. That's been resolved. How are we going to get there? Because in a few months, I'm looking at this timeline. I'm gonna be asking you, and you know, the discussion three, four months from now should be different from today, is, oh, this is what we've done towards that long-term plan. This is what the scenarios are. We know what is gonna go into that plan. It's, it's done. It's just us formulating and creating that entity, whatever it's gonna take to create that. And once we get that, this is what is gonna be populated under that. I think, so we've done the work that needs to be done, and the emphasis should be on creating that entity now. So could you please answer that question? Yes, you're, you're absolutely right, Commissioner Rick, or, yeah, Commissioner, Board Member Richard, sorry. <laughs> um, the Executive Director and this Board President have done a lot of work already in surveying and understanding past. And so the work is underway, and the Board President has arranged for the New York Specialist to come here uh, this next Monday and Tuesday and meet with staff. We're developing a scope of work to make sure that we come to uh, clear options for the commission, for the board. <laughs> that might take me a while it's to correct okay, that. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So to, to make sure we come to you with options, right? We're not gonna come with a staff, like we're doing this total thing. We're gonna come and preview options, be in discussion with you, with the public, with Board of Supervisors members, and then together we will forge the right path. So you can expect to see project progress this year, and you can hold me accountable if there's not. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, <laughs> and always nice to see you, Chris. Thank yeah. you. Thank um, you, sir. Miss, Mrs. Zim. My, th thank you so much. My question actually is for Deputy Director, if you don't mind coming back up. And pardon my ignorance, I think I'm just trying to understand the process, and my question piggybacks um, from my director, not commissioner. <laughs> I also have to remember. Um, so are we, are, is, an, is there, because I see item 10, acceptance resolution of dog park. Are we being asked to accept a park before we create an entity and have a budget and all that? 
So there, there is an entity right now. There's a, 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 sorry if that wasn't clear. Right now the developer is caretaking and they have been caretaking uh, during the construction and as a parse become completed. So that is in place. What we are working on is then for TIDA to transition and we are anticipating that we're gonna continue with the same firm but it's not completely, a contract isn't finalized, we don't have the new firm on but Rubicon is a One Treasure Island partner and so we're anticipating that we will continue that for this interim period until we figure out the final structure and how much of the staffing is public, how much of it is maybe private, and it could be 100% in either direction, or how much of it is a conservancy managed or operated. So, so the options are pretty open, but rest assured that the parks are being cared for right now and will be cared for uh, during the two-year interim period. Uh, I think my concern actually is just that, are we accepting a park that then we're getting handed um, something with all the bells and whistles, right? And we, then we don't have a budget to do the operations moving forward once TICD moves on, right? We have a budget, but it looks like the director would like to. Yeah, um, we, we do have a budget um, in, in our uh, fiscal year 24 budget. Um, the, uh, the, in terms of additional funding to support the operations of uh, and maintenance of parks, uh, under the DDA, the developer uh, is initially obligated to provide us a uh, subsidy of up to a million and a half dollars per year to help fund the, uh, the, the maintenance of parks, new parks as they come online. Um, and then long term, the, the funding stream for maintaining the parks will come from the community facilities district that has been formed over the island. So that is meant to reimburse the developer for capital improvements, but then we also can use what is called the PAYGO um, residual uh, proceeds from the CFD uh, to cover our, our park's operating costs. Um, the, the, um, uh, in terms of uh, uh, early operations and maintenance of the parks, we have a historical relationship with Rubicon Landscaping, which is a One Treasure Island member agency. Um, they maintain, for instance, the open space around the housing uh, on, on the island, and that is the entity with whom TICD has been subcontracting to maintain the parks during the establishment period. And so it should be a relatively seamless for us then to contract with, with Rubicon for the early parks. One of the critical things that we need to evaluate as we move forward is if, if you know, and again, over the next few months, by the end of the year, is, is uh, if forming a, a conservancy is the appropriate course of action, when in the course of building out the parks is, is the critical time to have that, that structure in place. Um, you know, with maintaining the first few parks, we can, we believe, manage that um, through uh, subcontracting with Rubicon and, and some of the other uh, vendors and city agencies that we draw upon for support. Um, but one of the critical things is, is when do we really, when will there be a critical mass of, of parks for us to, to form the conservancy and as form a board and, and so forth? Yeah, as soon as now, yeah. 
Um, and, and I would say that there is a role for Rubicon and Toolworks. Um, the, what we're talking about more is the organizational structure mm -hmm. um, and who's going to, because the developer is um, required and through their contracts with their landscape contractors, um, the parks are maintained from six months to sometimes a year or more. Um, but we're, we're responsible for these parks forever, for more than a year and a half. For, and, and we need to make sure that what is being um, planted, and especially in the initial years, it is so important to get it right horticulturally, otherwise there's problems that come up later on. Um, so uh, that's what we're um, planning to do. And, and thank you for your um, question because it's very true. We are being asked to accept the dog park today. Um, I, I feel comfortable doing that knowing that we're embarking on this process and that we will have an entity in place. Um, hopefully at least a roadmap before the end of the year. year. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing about the dog park is that there's not, it's mostly rocks. <laughs> it's not much planting material, but I tell you that dog park has the best view of any dog park in the world. <laughs> so we, um, we can accept the dog park. Um, it's just as the bigger parks come on board, especially the city side waterfront park where we expect you know, maybe even millions of visitors, we have to be prepared. And this is what we're trying to do, is to get, um, get ready for, for that. So um, I'll open it up to the public, and I'll open it up to the phone. Seeing none. Okay, so um, thank you very much for that presentation, Emily and Chris, thank you. So we'll go on to the next item. Item number 10, resolution authorizing acceptance of dog park improvements on Yerba Buena Island. Thank you, uh, directors. Um, I don't have a presentation for this. It was yeah. kind of covered in the, the right. presentation before. Um, but the, the dog park uh, received a, a notice of completion from Public Works who, who performs the construction inspection uh, for, the, for the parks and other public improvements in January of this year. Um, and uh, the uh, uh, um, Public Works has prepared acceptance legislation um, and is, is prepared to issue a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors in forms of a, of, of a Public Works order um, recommending acceptance of the dog park, uh, and that legislative package is, is expected to be uh, introduced to the Board of Supervisors before their August recess. The, um, the public improvement agreement that was part of the issuance of the street improvement, per associated with the street improvement permit for uh, Yerba Buena Island, under which this park was permitted, um, calls for the parks to be accepted by both the TIDA Board and the Board of Supervisors. Um, and so we're, we're bringing it to the TIDA Board uh, uh, with the recommendation uh, for acceptance. We won't be fully accepted until it goes through the Board of Supervisors. Um, on item 11, we're talking about having the Board of Supervisors delegate to TIDA Board the, the ability to accept the parks. Um, we won't be opening it immediately. Uh, it fronts Yerba Buena Road, which is part of the 
uh, Yerba Buena SIP. We're expecting that roadway to receive notice of completion later this month and Public Works to enter into a license with the developer to allow that roadway to be opened. It's part of the Hillcrest uh, detour that I mentioned uh, uh, during my director's report. Um, and uh, so then with the roadway open and with the Board of Supervisors acceptance, then we would open the park to the public. So moved. Okay, so, so we yeah. have um, a motion and could I have a second? Second. Thank you. And before we um, vote, um, any comments from the public or the, on the phone? Seeing none. Okay. So all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed? So the ayes have it. Thank you. Item number 11, resolution recommending Board of Supervisors delegate public open space improvement authority. Uh, and again, um, this is working with the city attorney's office and public works. Um, we're recommending that the Board of Supervisors delegate to the TIDA board the authority to accept uh, the improvements to TIDA owned uh, parks and open space. Um, the public, uh, public works will also, director will also be uh, issuing an order supporting that legislation and we expect to introduce these as companion measures to the Board of Supervisors prior to the end of the month so that for uh, Signal Point and other uh, portions of the Hilltop Park on Yerba Buena Island and eventually Cityside Park, we would be able to bring those just to the title board for yeah. acceptance. Wonderful, good. Um, could I have a motion and a second? So moved. Second. Okay, any comments from public or, or on the phone? Seeing none. Okay, um, all those in favor say aye. 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 Um, all those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you very much. Item number 12, discussion of future agenda items by directors. Okay. Are they, um, Mrs. Zim, do you have a yeah, item I, you would like to discuss? Um, I just wanted to add that it was fine for today's dog park acceptance, but in the future, if we're accepting a park um, or accepting anything, can we have some presentation on the budget and understanding what our obligations will be long-term? Yeah. <laughs> Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you for that. Any other items? Okay. Any from the public or on the phone? Seeing none. Hearing none, uh, we will now adjourn. And Whoa, thank yeah. you, directors, for a very efficient and short, <laughs> shorter meeting than usual. Thank, thank you, you, Commissioner Chen.